Elite Nation Station's first episode, interview with Michael Rowland, bass guitar extraordinaire. Let's listen in. Philip Michael Rowland. Whoa. Yeah. So My mother only calls me that. Oh, I'm sorry, man. No, that's cool, bro. I believe that we're close enough to... Yeah, that was loud. It was loud? Oh, yeah. Sorry it's the first episode, man. I won't take drinks from my water anymore. <laughs> Don't drink <laughs> Don't water. drink the water. Can uh, I drink this Vermont maple syrup? Mm, that would be interesting. It's from Butternut Farms. <laughs> Where did you get that at? I don't know. Someone at work gave it to me. That's all uh, I know. Why would they give you syrup? I think it was like a gift because she got in trouble and was like, here's a nice gift. And I, was like, I don't know. I think she got that at like Cracker Barrel. She might have. Okay. So what got you into playing music the first time? The first time? Sure. I'll never forget that when I was really little, I don't know if I was three, four, five, you know, memories when you're that young kind of all run together. But I remember seeing my dad play the bass guitar for a church ensemble. In fact, that bass guitar is still uh, hanging in my basement. At the time, I didn't know it was a bass guitar. I just knew it was black, cool. My dad was playing the bass. That's all I knew. And that's kind of what inspired me to kind of want to see if I could do something like that someday mm-hmm. uh, as far as that. So he was he was my influence. He was in a gospel group when he was, you know, younger than I am now. And, uh, and that's kind of what you know, promoted my my wanting and my longing to play music. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we actually used that uh, bass guitar yeah. on American Way. We did. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, the guy who recorded us, uh, Tony Grissom, shout out. What, what? Yeah, what, what? In the butt. He wanted me to bring that bass to his studio so we could actually use it. He thought it was just the coolest thing. Didn't know I had one, and that's what we used. And mm-hmm. the fuzz... Impeccable. Right on there. Right on there. Right on there. What was the first band that you played in? Uh, first band, um, it was actually a it was actually a church group. I had uh, give you a little bit of backstory. I played sports pretty much my entire young life. I played basketball and baseball. Did I play them effectively? No. But I was promised a few things when I was playing sports that I would not be able to accomplish. Such as I wanted to play first base, playing baseball. Coach I had at the time didn't allow me that opportunity, so I I took that as I, I need to do something different. I was probably in sixth, seventh grade. I was big into wanting to do motocross, and my dad was kind enough, and my mother were kind and loving enough to invest into one hobby for me. Well, I had a dirt bike, I had an acoustic guitar, and Dad said, "I'll get you started in one hobby. Which one do you want to do?" and Believe it or not, sixth or seventh grade, I, I thought music was the safer, less expensive route. Don't ask me how an adult-oriented decision made its way into my brain. So I decided to play music. I took lessons for six months, and I literally learned nothing from it. Uh, we learned a couple of little acoustic tunes that I'd probably never remember to save my life. And I wanted to play in the church band really, really bad. And I probably at the time didn't want to play in it for like what it was meant for. I just wanted to play music. And uh, I got my chance one night. They needed another guitar player to help add a little bit of sound. And the song was called Blessed Be the Name. And it was just G-D-E-C, like anything contemporary. I didn't know how to strum through chords. What did you just like? Um, so every time the chorus came strum? up, yeah, just one strum. Okay. Every time the chorus came up, it was just G, 
and then I'd weight the measure, I'd count it the D, and then I'd count it again, and that was that rock how, and roll. Yeah, that's how I got started. My youth minister, of course, he doesn't know music from Adam. He said, "You did really awesome. We want you to be a part of this." And I was thinking to myself, "Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why?" I didn't. Uh, I was just, and from then on out, uh, it was me and my uh, uh, now late friend uh, Brandon Robbins who uh, passed away a little under a year ago. It was super sudden and super tragic, uh, but he uh, played bass, and uh, I was always so like jealous of him because everything I did musically came so slow to me. I had to beat it into my head until I learned it, but, mm-hmm. I mean, every time he'd heard something, he'd just pick it right up. Yeah, he actually jammed with, yeah. well, when we were called above, he yeah. actually jammed with us. He did. Yeah. He, uh, how many practice sessions did he do with us? I th- I think two or three. Two or three? Yeah. I wonder why it didn't work. I don't really remember. Probably because he was better than all yeah, of us. Yeah, he was probably probably better than all of us, but his ability to play the bass guitar was just insane. I was always extremely jealous of that. So he and I grew up in that church band together, and we played we played in front of a lot of, of church congregations. We played in front of a, a lot of different places. We even branched out and started our own little band after that called uh, Never Withheld with a... Uh, Another musician who I've had the chance to see recently, Mr. Casey Bigford. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, Casey, I know Casey. Uh, Casey Kasem. Man's super out there, but to this day I still love him. And we actually, uh, that was our first real stint in trying to uh, play music that wasn't just confined inside of a building, mm-hmm. inside of a church as far as that. So that's kind of my background in music. I did play a one-time show with Tony Grissom in a band called Ash Wednesday. We only played one song for a high school talent show. That video is on a VHS tape somewhere, and I don't know where. What did you guys? Did you guys play an original? No, we played a cover by Reliant K called oh. uh, "Be My Escape" on a 2004 release called mm-hmm, one of my favorite records. It was a, it was a good time. I had super long hair. Time way back when. Way back when. So yeah, that's a little bit of my background, music wise. That's the background. And then, yeah. when did you start? Realizing that this is something that you couldn't like shake off as a as a hobby, or you couldn't you couldn't shake it like it was it was a bad drug that you just kept having to just or needed, a good drug I guess good, good drug that I needed more of. While I was playing in the church band, I met another I met one of my other best childhood friends growing up, and I, I think he's married and got children now, lives a few states away. His name's Cody Bottoms. I remember the minute I became extremely addicted to the guitars, the first time I jammed with him. Um, I'd probably been playing guitar for six or seven months and, like, really, like, seriously. I mean, I'd picked around on it for a while, and Dad told me if I could play the guitar for up to a year, he'd buy me an electric guitar. Somehow I convinced him that I needed one sooner than that, and my buddy Cody had a little Epiphone Junior Les Paul. Well, I bought it. Well, Dad bought it for me like I had money. So, um, And I remember watching him play, and he was doing little blues licks inside of that pentatonic scale that everybody uses for just about anything you'd want to listen to. And that's the moment I became hooked. I was like, I want to learn how to, like, how to like play like that. And uh, he and I played for many years after that, and that's the moment I was like, I started... I started branching out my taste in music from just old classic rock, older classic rock and roll 
Eagles, Sticks, Phil Collins, you know, Journey, all of those things that kind of connected uh, your and I's friendship. And I started running. Separate Journey. Separate Journey. Only. When did we ever connect on Journey? We may have never, but uh, just the greatest hits, Steve Perry, Separate Ways. I'm not not cutting down Journey. I'm just saying that I don't uh, remember you and I connecting on Journey. I'm sorry about Phil Collins. I I mostly Uh, said that for Phil purposes. uh, what what Phil purposes? Uh-huh. Um, Phil Collins purposes, yeah. and that's what really kind of connected me to uh, to that entire thing. And uh, we jammed many for several years after that, and that's what kind of really spawned me wanting to be a better musician. And he played such a sweet guitar too. He had a metallic green at Gibson Les Paul Studio model thing that weighed weighed a ton, and but it sounded great. It sounded great. So memories. You know, hashtag memories. I'm going to tweet this later. Hashtag nostalgia. Hashtag, hashtag hey, nostalgia, yes. I, I'm, I'm down, man. I, I love nostalgia. So there you um, go. I mean, every, everybody does. It's the big yeah. thing now. It is the big thing. It's in. Like collecting vinyl is in. It's in. For whatever reason. We'll skip towards uh, the Tony Grissom project. Was it As Yourself? The name of the band was actually Awaiting Irony. Okay, that's right. Since we're getting, you know, into into my background and what my feelings were towards different musical things, like Tony, to me, the perception there was, if I can play in a band with that guy, then maybe I've got a shot to go somewhere else mm-hmm. musically. I mean, he was popular in school, was in a band that, you know, had a good name, people showed up to their shows, all those different things. Well, he asked me if I wanted to play bass guitar. If I can give you my feelings on just being asked to play bass guitar, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to play guitar, but uh, I was just eager at the opportunity to just jam in a band with him. So I took it and I ran with it. So it really gave me a chance to kind of branch out with different styles. It definitely opened me up to making sure that I could play with different people, get outside of standard chord progressions and and actually getting involved in a different style that wasn't so contemporary. Right. Yeah. And then two guys named Justin and Bran started yeah. spying upon Mr. Michael Rowland while he was in this band. I think we actually went and saw you at Murfreesboro. You guys played a show. Or you no, no that was when you were still playing. You might have been So here's, uh, here's yeah, that straighten story. all this here's out. Here's that there. story. Uh, you guys may have been in contact with a gentleman named Ben. Ben Biles. Benjamin Biles. Benjamin Biles. Benji Biles. About potentially connecting with me. We played a show, A Waiting Irony did, and called uh, at, a, at a club in Murfreesboro, which is no longer open, I believe. No, I'm just, it's, it's called... Oh, Club 527 was the name of it then. I don't know what it is now. It may be Main Street Music now. Maybe. But I remember when Mr. Biles called me. I was getting off work one night, and he called me up, and he said, hey, there's this band in Cookville that needs, they just need, they just need to fill in for one show. They just need a bass player, and that's it. And I was like, so, and I had actually been dying to jam with, with jam. I had just moved to Cookville. I was unable to make a lot of awaiting irony practices, uh, tensions for me. And I, at least this was my perception. It could be corrected, you know, for, between me and Tony. It was me. I didn't feel like I was able to, you know, have a whole lot of influence on what we were writing at that time. And I just needed to, I just needed to jam. I, I hadn't been to any practices. Things were a little tense because I was away. 
you know, I'm, I've always been one of those guys that feels like they might miss something if they're not there. So Ben calls me up and was like, hey, there's this band that needs you for one show. So, okay, I'll try it. I was a little nervous about meeting someone new, but apparently you and I, you and I have known each other longer than the time that we've known each other. Go back, way so, back somehow. So just way back somehow. So I pulled down in the driveway of this house that's not far from the apartment I lived in, and there's this guy, goofy-looking dude, comes out says his name's Justin. You know, hey, you must be Micah. Yeah, I'm Micah. Helps me carry in my bass guitar, my bass gear. At that time, I had a huge crate amp. Thank God that thing's gone. And there was something that came out of your guitar that I couldn't deny, and it was very ambient. It was very, like, crisp. I kind of knew right then in some shape, form, or fashion that at some point I was probably going to leave the other group. And if I was even given the opportunity to jam with you, I was hoping I could I could take advantage of it. So that's kind of what happened. And, and this little, these little harmonics came out of this guitar, and I remember asking, because we were just jamming, what we were doing for vocals, and then you kindly said that there's not going to be any for this show. <laughs> so I was like... Okay, so what what was that venue we played at? The Edge in Livingston. Was it in Livingston? It, it oh, was yeah. in Livingston, and a band called, we actually talked about them this evening, actually. Uh, Knee Deep in Stereo played after us. Did they? Maybe before us. I don't remember. I just remember that chick bass player kept playing the No More Tears bass line. ding ding To her sound check. That's all I remember. That was the first show, and I, I was essentially hooked on what you guys had going on. It seemed very free. seemed like there was no walls. You know, it, you know, it was something that we could construct together. So that's that. That's how I remember it. You and got I, a better memory than I do. And I remember uh, it was October. It was 2008, and uh, it was cold. I remember I was wearing a red shirt that night, the first night we jammed. Wow. I remember that's that. impressive, dude. Yeah. I remember that night, and then that, I mean, the next five years was nothing but memories that I'll probably have for the rest of my life, so. Amen to that. Yeah, man. amen uh, to that. Amen. There, there's some of, me, of that time that I won't remember, <laughs> so, I mean, this is a podcast, people will yeah. listen to this, so. Or they won't. Oh, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Hi, Mom. It'll be like crickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that's what I remember. I don't remember our second show. Was it like Club Jet or something? I don't even remember. I don't remember our second show. I, I do remember that the first show uh, in Livingston was a vocals not present show. It was. We, we just did an instrumental show. Yeah. I think we played for, what, t- 30 minutes or something? 30 minutes. I can still remember all those bass lines to all those songs. Granted, they were super simple, but they had they were real catchy, too. I can't remember that one song that we used to play. Sometimes I catch myself playing the bass line when we practice down here. can't hmm. remember it, but if I played it for you, you'd know what it is. And then we took those songs and put some vocals to them and eventually worked that way. Yeah, we started, uh, started trying to put lyrics to stuff. I remember the beginning was a very, was a culmination of, everything that 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 time period in our life signified as far as the sound we were going after what the meaning was for for what we were trying to drive um i mean i I wish that song was still available for people to listen to i mean that was a big i'll never forget the first time that we got to record that song got to hear it back 
for the first time. That that was that was pretty amazing. That was that was something that one I'll never forget, man. There was that there's that part in that recording that I could never replicate when we tried to play that song live after that that little bass line in the middle that do 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 do. I don't to this day we played that song. I still don't think I could replicate that. I think that was like a one time deal. <laughs> I've got a couple one time yeah. deals in the studio. One time deal. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it again. Yeah. But that was when I realized that we were probably we had the ability to actually probably build something like concrete and take it somewhere else. Right. Uh, and the fact that we were even blessed with the time to be in a studio that was as nice as that place and still nice as that place with someone who actually knew, had an ear for what needed to happen was really good too. He ma- he made us sound, Aaron Sisklowski made us sound way better yes. than uh, we actually were. And but. he definitely had a lot of direction for where we th- he thought we should go. And for that time period in our existence, it worked. It did. And it worked it was, very well. It was a blast because we played off a lot of our U2 influences, our your Switchfoot influences, yeah. and Justin's Angels and Airways influences. And Let's just call it what it is. Tom DeLong's. Tom DeLong's cover band. <laughs> Anything Tom DeLong's involved in. We kind of tried a, a singer out um, because... We- we did. Were people saying that my vocals weren't good enough, or what What exactly was going on? I, the way I remember it was I think we needed a little bit of attention to the guitar at the time. And I think we, there may have been some stuff, like you mentioned, maybe someone said something. I don't really recall any of that stuff, but what I do remember is that we needed. Oh, I do. Who? Who? I don't know who it was. They. I mean, I just remember. Was it Clint? Maybe no, I just a couple of people were you know I don't know if it was a couple, but and then and I mean I heard people that were like man or you know whenever things got turned around and then I came back on vocals, yeah. uh, people were like man I'm glad you're back. Yeah, it's like back. why didn't you tell me that again and you big goon? I think we were trying to I think just from a music perspective I think the reason we tried out a singer was one to take pressure off you having to do both and I think we were trying to collect a fuller sound. Yeah. Because we had a lot of songs that were verses, and even some parts of some choruses were nothing but bass and drums driven. So I think that was—I think that had a lot to do with it at the time. We we go back to the three piece, and then we decide that the sound needs a little more beefing up, and we bring in a we bring in someone that is still very close to me. Little hindsight, at this point, all of us lived together in the same house, and we all jammed together in the same house. Pretty much and every night. I'm pretty sure at some point we all had our laundry in the same washing machine. I mean, we were all really close. Um, we met a guy who had actually just driven down here all the way from New Jersey. He had a, a, a bit of a family fallout with uh, his his father, and he uh, he drove down here in the middle. Actually, he didn't drive down here. He found a friend a really good friend of his that drove him down here 13 hours or more to come stay with his mom who lived down here. And the next thing you know, I'm meeting this kid in a in a purple shirt, pink tie, gray pants at Sears, just wanting a job selling appliances and or electronics, rather. And uh, we found out several weeks in that he actually played guitar, and we needed we needed that we needed that lead guitar influence. And he was he's very heavily influenced by grunge oriented and some metal guitar and that that definitely beefed up our sound yeah he definitely did for fooled it out for for sure and it worked well 
had a lot of he had a lot of energy. He still has a lot of energy. He's someone that um, uh, you know in my life now. He's someone I consider you know my my, my best friend. Uh, I mean, we're together every day, and uh, his his family and is really close to my family now. So it was just uh, it was someone I really jammed with. The thing that I really enjoyed about Adam being in the band was he immediately challenged me to be a much better bass player. I was essentially, and I, I use this term lightly, but I was essentially forced to try to be a more rhythmic, less less punk rock bassist. You had to change your style. Uh, I had I had to change my style. We also were venturing away from uh, the style of the beginning and silhouette and all those songs that we wrote, trying to come up with something that was a little more in your face. And of course, that's where songs like "I Want You Back," "Tumbleweed," those songs took on a new life. Um, and actually had a fuller sound than when we were even able to record them in the studio. So, um, but that immediately challenged me, like I said, to be better. Adam is an excellent guitar player. I still enjoy jamming with him. Sometimes he and I still jam, and it, it, it's the the magic. The magic is still there sometimes. So I really, I really like it. I like that. So I do miss him sometimes. I got I gotta admit, but I've learned that the difference between. Him and he and Seth, as far as lead guitar players go, and I know I know Seth shares the same feeling, especially when it comes to you know bass players that he's jammed with, or even other guitar players that he's jammed with. You you got you get used to that that bouncing ideas off each other's each other's craniums to make sure that something sticks. And I see you know if we're just comparing lead guitar players, I see a little bit of influences I can get, gather from both. Like if you're looking for that that really heavy you know, kind of grunge type of sound, and you need and you need that. Adam's the place to go if you need that clean classic sound. I mean, that's what Seth is for. Um, they both have very different sounds, and they're both good in their own. Uh, definitely in their own rights for sure. But each of them have definitely made me better and want and want to be better. They're both killer players, both of them. And then the tragedy stu- struck, stuck, struck. Yeah. Yuck. Justin and I had been. Uh, I'm just going to be. Just straight up, Justin and I had kind of been talking. Mike, I got a new job. He was uh, dating somebody serious. Mm-hmm. And Justin and I had been talking behind closed doors, behind mm-hmm. Adam and Micah's back. We're trying to figure out what to do. We kind of did the quick fix to our issue as in we didn't know if Micah was going to have enough time to put into the at the rate we were going because we were playing cover shows and we were playing probably what um quite a you know three or four times a month maybe more the uh, cover show scene is a podcast in and of itself <laughs> yes we, we've got stories i mean yeah, yeah. we've got plenty of stories of that uh we we may save one for yeah. you know at, or the, at the end uh, another day yeah that that's yeah. that's an hour show at yeah. uh, one one the uh fraternity yeah. show oh lord <laughs> You know, I actually brought that up in a conversation with someone the other day who wanted to know about some of our craziest shows, and that was one of the first ones I brought up. Oh, was, yeah. That's, that's one of my highlights. Let me just tell you about the de-degradation of human society. <laughs> you know, I witnessed it. Firsthand. Yeah, firsthand. Live. Anyways, continue. Something that I'm, I'm definitely not proud of. Wish I would have handled it differently. It's definitely Justin and myself's fault. I can't really speak for Justin, but... We kind of forced both of their hands to leave the band, and 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 Micah and I were thickest thieves, closest brothers. Uh, there was like breakups that 
he and I both had, you know, helped each other through. Cranking up music and in the middle of the house at 6 that's in the morning. Right. Yeah. I know, man. Yeah. We definitely, we we had a lot of life yeah. experiences and growing up together during that period of time that we knew each other. You know, was, and you know, that was five years on the dot. I joined you guys in October of 2008, and I was disbanded in October of 2013. Wow. Five years on the money. Man. Five years on the money. You're a historian. It was almost to the day. You know how I remember that is I was sitting in my office. For those of you who don't know, I'm I'm in the car business, and uh, I had Nissan a Cookville. Nissan a Cookville. Come see Mike Rowland. Come see Mike Rowland if you're in the if you the market vehicle. Um, I was sitting in my office. I had actually just been given this office because I'd had a good August and September, and we had a fill-in, so I got in this office. And I remember getting the text through my phone saying, we need to meet at Justin's house. And I knew I knew what that meant. I knew it was it was going down, and I didn't quite know how I would handle it, but I looked down at my count, my desk calendar, and I, then I started counting days, and I was like, it's almost to the day. Wow. It's almost to the day. I think that was I think that night was almost worse than any breakup that I'd probably ever been through woman wise. Wow. I was really frustrated and really upset. I I kind of I don't remember exactly what happened that night now. It's kind of a blur. I remember that and this this story can probably be recounted by all three of us differently, but I remember Adam wasn't invited there um and, and when I when I witnessed that, I said there's no way that this is going to be anything other than crummy. Um, I think that's the best way to describe it if this is going to be on the radio waves. So I remember Justin did all the talking. Because I wasn't man enough. And that that's right. I didn't. I, that's, and I, I don't know if you knew that at the time. Yeah, but yeah. As soon as I had opportunity to process it, I think that's how I described it to my, to my beautiful wife, uh, Miss Catherine, who's upstairs asleep right now, is that I, that's exactly what I thought. It's like, man, he's not man enough to speak his mind. I remember you not looking at me in the face while I was looking at you both the whole time. And I just thought, I remember offering to make it work at least twice. I may have even offered a third time. But if I did it a third time, it was no use. And I remember things being really solemn after that. I, not only was it the end of probably what I was going to do musically, but it was probably going to be the end of of seeing and hanging out with two friends who I had grown to to cherish and who that five year span you know they always our, our elders always tell us that the college is when you'll meet your best friends and that was the truth uh, I can I can tell you times of when I was a kid hanging out with my best friends but I can tell you more specifics about being with you and Justin uh, than I can anything else and. Uh, I remember the next night, uh, I wasn't around, but I remember Adam pretty much uh, telling you both where he thought and where you could put it. He definitely did. Yeah, I know he did, and he doesn't have that problem. He still doesn't have that problem to this day telling you exactly what he thinks, which is why which is why he and I get along so well. I honestly never thought any of us would ever speak again. I wanted to make it work, and the way I perceived it at the time was is I was moving on with life at a point where I didn't, I didn't think that at that age I would do that, but it was, it was very obvious that I was probably going to be, I was probably going to get serious with who I was dating. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, my life was going to speed up while you two were hanging in perpetual motion. And I think that, I think part of that got in under Justin's skin 
that made that I was I was very much younger than him, and my life had moved forward when his had not. I think it got it got under both of our skins, but I think what we were trying to do is, and I didn't realize it until I started, you know, until years after, like years after that, I started realizing that the sound was moving in a direction that. I didn't want it to move into. Mm-hmm. And that was me being selfish or, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to, you know, word you want to put in there. If I, 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 I was yeah. being selfish, but I, I felt that sleep nation was moving in a direction that I didn't agree with. And not that it was moving in a bad direction. I just didn't think it was the right direction for us. The, the biggest thing for me is when we first wrote the scream and shout lick, and Justin and I wrote it without you guys there, not not any bad blood or at the yeah. time, or you know there wasn't any issues at the time. And you guys, you know, we we're like, come down to the practice room. We're going to show you this lick. We played this lick, and it was like we played a fart out yeah. of our guitars and in drums. And you know, you and Adam didn't dig what we were throwing down, yeah. which is perfectly fine because. And and that that I guess and I, like I said I didn't really I didn't really process it, yeah. Until later on, but that was my my thing, and I felt that in order to, because you two started you know Adam and you were getting super close, that it was kind of like a package deal, unfortunately, and it, and you know it, it was. It was a whirlwind of it's almost awful things. It's but. almost still a package deal to this day. He may end up listening to this, but and that's okay if he does. He's my best friend, and I love him, and he he's my brother. I mean, he. But it's it was almost a package deal here. I it took a lot of courage, and if I know you recall this, I'm the one who instigated coming back because I knew that there was probably a little blood in the water with you know, Garrett, you know, not being not being a not being able probably to be there or leaving or whatever it was. And I told him that I had, that you and I had actually picked up speaking again and he couldn't, uh, he said that was fine, but obviously the look on his face was something much different. We we actually Uh, went to a couple shows together. Together to try to, Power Man 5000. Right, Power Man 5000. I think there was something else we went to, but we, we just... You know, Garrett was playing with yeah. us at the time that we went to those shows, yeah. but I do think that that was kind of a that was a precursor, I yeah. guess. Not any of us realizing it. To this day, he doesn't really. I mean, he'll let me talk about our practice session and stuff. That's not a big deal, but you know, for him, he took it extremely personal. Still thinks of it as personal. And it sucks, but it, I mean we're we're all adults now, so it's just one of those things you can't really dwell on too much. But that was a big deal to him because he, it was like the thing that he loved had just been taken away from, him and he didn't know how to rebuild it back up. I was motivated by something different. One, there's no point in holding a grudge for the rest of my existence. Two, when my son was born, the only thing I wanted to do was make sure that he knew that his father did something else than just sell cars every day. So that was one of the big reasons. And plus, man, when we were in our when we were in our prime playing music, to me, and this is obviously all biased, I mean we jailed. 
we were when we were in the pocket, we were in the pocket, and I don't think there was another group in our in our kind of level that could that could outdo that. And that's that's what I really missed. And I needed to play with people. It's one thing playing by yourself. In fact, I'm glad that Seth plays with people now because at the time we couldn't even get him out of his room to play with anybody. Right. And we actually tried to get him to play with us. Uh, even with Adam was in the band, we yeah. tried to get him to do that. Yeah. So or before Adam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he just would never do it. So, um, but that was. That's been something that Adam and I's dynamic has had to work through since we've been playing together again. But it's all been, it's all been, it's all worked out now. I mean, it is what it is, and he's cool with that, and we're cool with this. It works. It does work. It does work. And we're still here rocking and rolling. Rocking and rolling. We got big plans. If you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out our music on Spotify, you should. We've got a whole album plus two other singles uh, that we're all, we're really proud of, and uh, we, we we all think that you all would like them as well. So that's right. And we've got another upcoming single. We won't we won't mention, but uh, we played it live. If you've been to any of our shows, you've definitely heard this song in the past six months. So video single, we're gonna repackage the acoustic under the covers. We are uh, repackage that, and we're possibly gonna release some uh, live, fully rock and roll videos. That would be really impressive, actually. Speaking of music videos. Y'all need to check out these music videos, man. That's been, you know, that's probably been the most exciting part about being back in Sleep Nation is actually being active in music videos. Like, every one we've done, I've had a really good time doing. There, we, we do have a blast. We have a blast. That last one we did for Scream and Shout was <laughs> beyond, <laughs> just beyond fun. It was. Uh, actually, Seth, Seth, I remember, I'll never, I will not forget this, man. He said... He said, man, I think this is, you know, he's like, this isn't the most production we've ever done on a yeah. video, but this is the most fun I've yeah, had because we just rolled through there yeah. and just kind of just kept on playing the song over and people were scaring us and just having a good time. That very end, when that thing snuck out of that little corn maze thing, that was just, whew, screamed like a little girl. You all can view it in the video. That's right. Like, yeah. And and we dressed up as women on Girl Fight. Yes, that was um, bunched, An experience. Up, bunched up experience down in my nether regions <laughs> with pantyhose and stuff. Pantyhose are an interesting. Uh, let me ask. I mean, let me let me tell you something about my butt crack that day. I mean, it was. <laughs> it hurt, dude. It hurt, man. <laughs> uh, this has been fun. I know, man. This has been a good time. It's, it has been. Well, I guess we'll, uh, unless you, if you got any closing remarks or, um, you know. Is there anything else you want to ask about our history? I, I mean, I didn't have you anything written You might need to do this down. for a living. Why do you think so? I mean, you're good at it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, I it. I know you listen to a lot of podcasts, so you've uh, that's got all I do. practice on this. Well, you know, I, I did have a little history with some radio, but I just didn't do, um, I didn't do like any straight up narration or anything. Wasn't that? The first time the beginning was played was on WTTU, 88.5? Probably so. I think, because it's never been played anywhere as far yeah. as radio goes. I think so. Yeah, cool. I remember I, that night at the radio station, too. That was pretty cool. Uh, no, just uh, check us out on our Facebook. Uh, like our page. We're going to try to, like Brand said, we're going to try to get a whole lot of a lot more social media in your, in your face as far as that, so you can figure out what, what we're all about, what we like to do, and... There's nothing like discovering uh, something new than, you know, watching a few videos on Facebook. Checking a few videos yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing a good cat meme. I love, I love a good cat I meme. I love a good cat meme, man. 
Um, but no, thanks for listening, guys. This has been fun. Yes, it was fun. Thank you for tuning in to Sleep Nation Station Podcast. If you would like an interview with the Sleep Nation Station Podcast, please email us at sleepnationband at gmail.com.